Well, good morning, Southern Oregon. Alice Lima here with Pete Bell Castro. We're both real estate brokers here at John L. Scott, Southern Oregon, and welcome to the real estate show. We have an amazing show today. We're so lucky that we're going to have Mayor Chris Luz from the city of Phoenix talking to us shortly. And in the meantime, I want to check in with you, Pete. How are things going with you since you lost your home in Phoenix? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's been seven weeks now. I think uh, people tell me you go through all sorts of emotions of it. You're the shock is over and now the reality kind of sets in and you know Alice, it's pretty tough the, the toughest part i think to me is when you drive through it all the time you're always reminded of it and i hear a lot of people say that and i've, I've met some people who won't even drive through it they, they, they've, they've done it one time they don't even want to go back and things like that it brings up a lot of emotions and you always what you do you feel like a victim each time you drive through it is what i felt but today what i'm looking forward to is really Chris Luz, I don't think he ever ex would have expected what happened to his city in Phoenix. It was literally so much of it just wiped out. And so we're going to hear from him about what the plans are today. What, what's happening there with the manufactured home parks, the apartments, the housing, the commercial that's all been destroyed. And, you know, what, how are they going to redo it? So we've been talking about that on our show with, with, over the weeks here. And this will be a, we're going to hear from the top guy about uh, what he thinks his city how it can survive and rebuild and move on because it's pretty devastated as you know. Well, and it's going to be um, something that you and I have talked about since the fire started is what are the different municipalities going to do with the zoning, if anything, and are they going to try to make any changes or not? It's going to be really, really interesting to see what Phoenix is talking about. And we reimagine housing. I mean, that to me is the top, the top story out of this whole thing is, if we just come back and do the same thing, build the same stuff, allow the same kind of things to go in the same places, allow Bear Creek to have its thing, it's gonna be a whole lot different than it would be for how it may change and what Chris is looking at the city is doing uh, innovatively, uh, creatively to make it easier for people to come back. I think that's the biggest issue Phoenix has is making sure people who've left can come back and want to come back and they need to make it easy and help them to do that. Or it's going to be very different. Yep, the freedom's going to be very, very different than it was. Yeah, yeah. And it all affects real estate here in Southern Oregon, which is why we feel so lucky to have Mayor Chris Luz coming uh, to be interviewed on our show. So we want you to stay tuned. We're going to have a break coming up real quick. But this is Alice Lima and Pete Bell Castro for The Real Estate Show. Do not touch that dial. We will be right back. Okay. Right. Yay. 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 Yeah, I like doing the three minutes at the end. I do too. Okay. Yeah. Plus yeah. we get the de the guests kind of cycled through faster. Yeah. Yeah, we get them through and out. Yeah. And yeah, we start so, with so how long was he with us? Is 13, 13, and 9. What does that add up to be? 26, 35. 35 minutes. So when we make the appointments with people, we can say it's only half an hour. Well, it's 35 minutes, yeah. Their set their part, yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, maybe we can get more people to say yes. Oh. <laughs> so, all right. Well, and we've got Danny, I think, for next week. And then okay. who, who do you want after that? Well, I think it's Guy's turn after that. Okay. All right. Um, I will work on uh, that. Okay. So, okay. And I will see you tomorrow morning at nine. Yep. I will be there. Bell's okay. on. All right. Okay. I'll see you then. Okay. okay bye. bye. 
Well, welcome back to The Real Estate Show, folks. I'm Alice Lima here with uh, my cohort, Pete Belcastro. We're both real estate agents at John L. Scott, Southern Oregon, and we're having our one of our favorite guests, Chris Luz, uh, the mayor of Phoenix, and we're so excited, and thank you so much, Chris. We know you are super, super busy. Um, we'd love to kind of hear how things are going with the fire effort and your well, team. Well, Pete and Alice, I, I appreciate the invitation. It's been a rough month for us here in Phoenix and Talon and, you know, unincorporated Jackson County or portions of it. We're um, trying to come back, but right now I think we're still a little bit traumatized, a little bit in shock. And my house is, it, it survived. The, the, the fence burns, stuff melted on my back porch, but the house itself is intact. But when I look out my, my window, I see Patty and Jill's house, which is destroyed and my 24 neighbors, their homes are also gone. So, that, um, that, that has an impact on you. And, and throughout the city, if you're just driving around, you're, you're, you're a neighbor, you're living in Phoenix, you see that it has an impact. It affects your sleep. It affects you, it affects you psychologically, whether you think it does or not. I think it does. And it's going to take some time to come back. The first stage is, is happening now as far as the cleanup. We're, we're doing the hazardous waste cleanup, and that's free to the citizens. And we've got hazmat teams on the ground doing that cleanup now. But then the, the big cleanup is going to be what they call ash and trash, and that could be a number of months away. It's going to take some time. So it, it's been rough. We're trying to get through that first stage, and there's a lot going on regarding things like transitional housing, city finances, real estate, which is, I know, what, uh, what you guys do. But that's a quick brief synopsis yeah. as far as what I'm going through. Chris, where, where, where were you uh, on September the 8th? Were you home? or Tell us what you were, what you experienced, and what... Yeah felt as you saw your city literally just disintegrate before you. What, was, what, what were you doing? Well, Pete, it, it was probably around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was with Chief Derek Boker, the police chief, out on Highway 99 and Oak Street helping to direct traffic or redirect traffic. And then it got smokier and smokier, and we saw the flames coming up over Blue Heron Park, and it just got pretty hairy at that point. So I left that area as did everybody else when I was transitioning out of town. And throughout the evening, I was going back and forth from my office on Main Street in Phoenix, which is right across the street from La Tapatia, Puck's Donuts, right. I'm right across the street there. I was going from there up to my home on Samuel Lane. Samuel Lane is the last road as you're entering out of Phoenix and going down Cover Road towards Talent. Mm -hmm. So during the evening, I was watering down our parking lot, down at the business and trying to um, stop those embers from coming onto our property from La Tapatia and Pucks. The wind was just, as everyone knows, was just uh, torrential that night. It was 35, 40 miles an hour. Those embers kept coming across the street. Every hour I was down at the business, watering the parking lot, watering the gutters, watering the side of the, house, side of the business where the, um, where the yard is and trying to take care of that. And then going to go to my house to see what's going on in my neighborhood. And I was going around the city and taking pictures and videos and updating the council regarding what was going on. And there were some crazy events that happened. You know, I, it, I could tell an hour worth of stories, but one story is when I'm coming back from my business, going down Culver Road to the area that's not affected by the fire, my neighborhood, a little bit out of town, there's a storage shed on fire. And it's blazing away. I'm like, whoa, the fire is here. It's not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be downtown along the Greenway. So you know, the, the first thing I did, I pulled over. There's, there's no one there. I, I texted the, the police chief, let him know. And I guess people knew about it, but there's no 
fire, uh, fire people to send to it. They're all busy. Wow. So I went back to someone's house and grabbed a hose. No water coming out. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, you laugh about it now, but that night it was crazy serious. So the, the next, um, the, the next house over, the, the, their gate was locked and I had to break down the gate. And I've talked to them afterwards and they're happy that I did break down the gate and did what I did. But I broke down the gate, grabbed their hose. Again, no water coming out. So there's no water in the whole system. So I was taking dirt and some water from the back of that house, trying to put the fence, trying to put the fire out that was hitting their fence. And then slowly but surely, I heard this whoosh, whoosh. And it was sheriff's deputies on the other side, dipping whatever they could find as far as the receptacle and dipping into a kiddie pool and throwing water on top of the fire at that shed. Now guys, if this went up, I, I believe Jerry Court would have gone and the rest of Samuel Lane would have gone. It was just, the wind was blowing the right direction so I joined the, the sheriff's deputies and we're all just dipping water or getting water out of that kiddie pool, throwing it on top of that shed and putting that fire out. But that was a crazy, crazy scene in the middle of a cra uh, even a crazier scene amongst all the fires. Wow. So I've got stories like that I could go on for an hour. It was just a bizarre, weird night. Has water, power, sewer been, been restored to all the affected areas or... Where does that stand today, well, Chris? Yes and no. You know, the, the, the power around certain areas, like the Barnum subdivision, Samuel Lane, and certain areas that are, are burned down to the ground, the power is not restored. So Pacific Power needs to go in and take care of, um, take care of rebuilding the, the, the power structure. It's underground, but the, um, the, 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 the generators, I'm sorry, what they call the transformers, are, are melted. So they still need to bring the power in um, the water's been shut off to the really affected areas. Same with gas. So there is no gas, water, and power if you see a neighborhood that's completely burned down to the ground. The rest of the city where you have a home that's occupied, all the utilities are up and running, Pete. Okay. Yeah. Alice, where you at? <laughs> well, it has been such a traumatic event, and um, yeah. it's it's still hard for people, like you say, to drive through. And as real estate agents, we're going in and out of there um, trying to help people figure out if they want to move back or not. And we have a lot of yeah. questions from people about safety and cleanup and yeah. um, when they'll be able to sell their lots again and if they should yes. be And so yeah. we kind of wanted to check in with you as the mayor of sure. Phoenix, um, kind of what your thoughts were on that. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't have all the answers regarding what's happening with FEMA and with the, um, uh, the other agencies. But w what I do know is that there are many people that want to come back. They want to rebuild. Some people want to do the cleanup th themselves. My neighbor, she's um, hiring a contractor. I talked to the contractor yesterday along with her. And they're going to clean up and they're going to rebuild. And they're going to do the cleanup on their own. Now, what we're suggesting as a, as a, city is that you wait and allow the cleanup to be done in a consolidated fashion and allow FEMA to do what they need to do regarding the cleanup and do it all at once, all together, so you don't have one home in a, that's all cleaned up in a sea of non-clean homes and therefore the possibility of you know reinfecting the soil might uh, might happen. Oh, that's a good so, point. That's a, a very good point. A lot of it is point. a private decision, but we're hoping that people will wait and do the consolidated cleanup, but it could be a couple of months away, which you know is a... A sticking point. People Chris, want to rebuild where, ASAP. Chris, and, where, you know, where are they taking the debris? Say, I know that some people are doing it 
ahead of FEMA doing it themselves, as you say, privately, where yeah. are they taking the debris and, and, and is yeah. there any kind of thing? I mean, I can just see clouds of dust, you know, sure. coming area. So where are they taking the debris right now? Do you know? So uh, Rogue Recycling worked with something similar to this with the weed fire. And at the Dry Creek, um, the Dry Creek landfill okay. is where we're taking, where the, everyone's going to take their debris. It's about wow. a 40 minute drive off 140. It's about a two hour round trip. So you fill up the truck, yeah. you head out to Dry Creek, you weigh the truck, you dump your debris, you, you, you weigh it again, or you weigh the truck again, and, and you go on your way. It's about a two hour round trip. So in an eight hour day, we're thinking you get eight, four, four trips per truck. But if you're so it's lucky. going to take a heck of a lot of trucks, and we're talking hundreds of trucks to do the cleanup. And all of us going to see, Alice, we were talking about that. What happens is uh, we did a show with uh, Brad Bennington recently, Chris, and he said there were like, I forget how many thousands of cubic yards of waste that yeah. were just that are out there. And where do yeah. you take it? So the Dry Creek landfill is the place that is going yes. to accept the materials, all the material. I mean, the whole, the whole show, the whole, everything coming no, to it. The, 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 the metal will go to re recycling. So okay. there's certain steel recyclers that want the metal and the metal will go there. The rest of the debris, uh, almost the rest of it, will go to the dry creek, but there's some cleanup being done, done now. So the hazardous waste, the propane tanks, the paint cans, the car batteries, they're going to be going to a separate site and it's gonna be the Cascade, or the um, Boise Cascade um, field or, or operation okay. in Central Point is where that okay. waste is gonna go and it'll be disposed of properly. Okay, yeah, but, cool. But virtually everything, that the steel will go to the steel recyclers and the what they call trash. The, there's ash and there's trash. The ash will go to the landfill. Okay. So are they are they treating any of this? Uh, I, I don't know if they're treating it, Alice, but uh, I know they're testing it first. So you're gonna get tested first, and it's put in a certain piles, and it will be brought to Dry Creek. And I'm not sure exactly what happens to the debris once it gets to Dry Creek. I really don't know, but it's going to Dry Creek to be a to dispose of properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so, there's so many people that were displaced, you know, in your town. Yes. And, but a lot of us who lived in manufactured homes, like I lived in Bear Lake Estates, and of course, it's yes. totally wiped out, you know, there's nothing yep. left. Do, do, what have you heard from people, Chris? I mean, I've, I've talked to my neighbors, and we've there's 200 homes, their families, people, yep. they've scattered. Uh, right. The Coleman Creek Park, Medford Estates, I mean, God, we yes. can just go on and on about what's happened to Phoenix. And what yep. are you hearing? Do they do people want to come back? Are they scattered? Are they afraid? Or tell me what you're hearing from from residents who used to live there. Yeah, you know, you're right, Pete. They are scattered around. Some are staying in hotel rooms. Um, we met with a large group on Friday, and the Red Cross told us that there's 460 rooms still being rented by the Red Cross to house people. Wow. Another 100 rooms being rented by somebody else. So many, wow. many, many people are in the hotel rooms, lots of things with relatives and friends. Right. As far as coming back, some people don't want to come back. Some people feel they're too traumatized to come back to Bear Lake Estates. Yeah. Some are too traumatized to come back to you know, Creekside. So some are, I think, are never going to come back. Unfortunately, others want to come back and join their neighbors and, and live the lifestyle they were living before. Yeah. Well, I know we have a break coming up. And, and, and when we come back, I really want to talk to you about uh, it's something that Alice and I've been talking about a lot is how is Phoenix and talent going to reimagine housing now? You have right. a great 
opportunity that doesn't come along very often out of a tragedy sure. like to reimagine what we have. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and also about Bear Creek. And I know they've reseeded a lot of that. And we don't want to have tremendous undergrowth come up again that's mm -hmm. really fueled that fire. So when we come back, I really want to know, hear your thoughts about how can we reimagine Phoenix yeah. as a, you know, a bedroom community with sure. living people who live in there. How can we do, how can we get this better instead of living in, you know, places that, uh, you know, just don't, are not good for housing, for people, for communities. And so right. I, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and how do you think Phoenix sure. should be imagined when it returns. And I think it's, it's a great opportunity that you may never have again. Sounds good, Pete. Love to do that for the break with you. Okay, okay. we'll do it. So, uh, yep, we're getting ready to go to have a word from one of our adorable sponsors, which we appreciate very much. It allows us to do the show every week. Uh, Pete and I will be right back. We're having a wonderful interview with Mayor Chris Luz. Um, sorry, Chris Luz. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> uh, rhymes with buzz. Chris Luz, the mayor of Phoenix. Hey. And we're talking about real estate, Southern Oregon, uh, the aftermath of the fires and what's coming next. So do not touch that dial. We'll be right back with Mayor Chris. Well, welcome back, real estate fans. I'm Alice Lima, broker John L. Scott here in Southern Oregon, Pete Belcastro and I. You're joining us on the weekly radio show, and we're so lucky today to have Mayor Chris Luz, the mayor of Phoenix, chatting with us about all things real estate in Southern Oregon, the after effects of the fire, and what happens next. Thank you so much, Mayor Chris. We You're very welcome, you Alice. Here. Yeah, this is, this is wonderful. So right before we went to the break, um, Pete was uh, getting ready to talk to you about what happens to the, basically, was kind of a zoning question like yes. what is phoenix going to do it's an opportunity we rarely get as a municipality so any uh discussion on that yet um the, the, there is but i gotta say first and foremost that a lot of the um a lot of the rebuilding will be done or in a, what i call organic first fashion so people that want to rebuild their home are going to be rebuilding their home so whether it be the samuel lane loop whether it be the barn subdivision or place server and talent the, the housing that was there, the, the single family stick housing is going to still be there. It's not going to change much. There'll be newer buildings, maybe a little bit different type of type of structure. But for the most part, for single family stick built home neighborhoods, it's going to be the same thing, just newer. Um, what we so are none, none of that single family zoning is changing to, to that, your knowledge? That's, that, that's correct. But we are going to make some changes in things like ADUs. So those little houses okay. of... Um, mother-in-law homes that you might see on a, on a property. Currently, there is a 800-foot minimum, um, and it, it can only be half of, of what your current structure square footage is. So right. if you have a 1,600-square-foot home and you want to build a ADU, it, it has to be 800 feet. And that, 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 that matches well. But if you have a 1,200-square-foot home, um, and, and you want to build a 800 square foot ADU, you can't do it because it, it has to be it, it has to be half of your square footage, which is 600 square feet, which eliminates your ability to do that. So we're going to change the code. That's what's to the planning commission. So even if you have a 1,200 square foot home or a thousand square foot home, hopefully you'll be able to build an 800 square foot ADU. Okay? Yay! That's number one. Yay for you! That, that, That's wonderful. That number number two, we're going to hopefully make some changes with allowing housing in certain commercial areas. So right now, commercial areas allow you to do commercial housing. I mean, commercial businesses. So we're gonna to try to make some changes 
to allow the building of, of uh, living structures within a commercial zone area. Well, so we call exactly that in real estate, we call that mixed use. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So, so currently in, in our city center area, it, it is a true mixed use zone. You have to have some commercial and if you want to build housing, it's going to be commercial and housing. So it has to be a footprint with, with a commercial and, and residential. So those are two changes that we're, we're thinking about making. What are you going to do, Chris, regarding systems development charges on, say, the oh. people who have their homes destroyed, you're going to rebuild sure. in the place? Do you charge the systems development? Do you let those go? Or, or tell me what you're thinking or how the city is going to handle that. Because that adds up yeah. a lot of, it's generally a lot of money to the Sure. To the yeah. Well, Pete, if it's the exact same use, you're not going to get charged additional SDCs. So if you're going to rebuild your home, like my Jill and Patty, my, my next door neighbor, they're going to rebuild. They're not going to be charged additional SDCs because they have the exact same usage, usage, the same footprint, the same home, the same fees. Fees, well, the fees won't apply as far as SDCs go. Okay? okay, so there won't be SDCs if you're doing the exact same thing. Of course, if you're doing, if you're changing things, there may be SDCs. And within our city, like a lot of other cities around, there's overlapping SDCs. So it's not just Phoenix SDCs. Metro Water Commission charges. Right. SDCs that are applied to our citizens. Sure. Same with Rogue Valley Sewer Services. They apply SDCs. So it's not just Phoenix and SDCs, but if you're doing the exact same thing, the same type of foot, footprint, same usage, no additional SDCs. Okay. Then the manufactured home parks, because Phoenix, yes. a lot of them. I lived in Bear Lake Estates, Medford Estates. There's tons of them there that were destroyed. Yeah. Are they going to, from what you're hearing from the owners, and a lot of these are corporate-owned places, not you know locally owned, which right. is a whole other story. Okay, but sure. do you see them coming back in the same way, the same thing? Right. It's like they're just going to come back and re just basically newer, as you say, just newer units. Yeah. Is that what you're seeing and hearing? Yeah, good question, Pete. You know, within the city of Phoenix, believe it or not, there's there's only three mobile home parks that burn or were destroyed. There are mobile home parks near Phoenix that looks like they're in, in Phoenix, but they're actually unincorporated Jackson right. County. Yeah. So between Jack in the Box and the old Umpqua Bank, which is destroyed now, those two mobile home parks and Coleman Creek Estates are unincorporated Jackson County. They're not in the city of Phoenix. But the three that are in the city of Phoenix, Bear Lake Estates where your home was, and Creekside and Greenway Village, they're all committed to rebuilding. And Creekside is, um, is, is cleaning up on their own. They're doing it now. And they're, owned by, they're family run. Same with Greenway Village. They're family run and they're committed to operating again. Any day without pad revenue for mobile home bar is, is a bad day. So they want the pad revenue as soon as possible. And they're very anxious to clean up and get residents back in there and start operating as a mobile home park. And I hope that they, I hope, excuse me, hope they do not charge exorbitant fees to these people to come back. And I hope they're going to make a, 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 an effort to recruit people back. Let me ask you one more housing question. And this is regarding sure. the Creek area. And look, you know, we know that there's a large Hispanic community and, and migrant families who come mm -hmm. through and live in Phoenix and talent in, in all places there. Many right. of them live, you know, in Coleman Creek and in, in old abandoned RV park, abandoned RVs and et cetera, et cetera. Our Ashland Rotary Club uh, has built over 500 two-bedroom, one-bath homes in Guanajuato, Mexico, in a project with the city and state there. And I'm yes. just trying, to, instead of coming back in a place like that where there, you know, you, you, it's not very good housing anyway to start, can we rethink ourselves into these small, tiny homes and these developments around Phoenix 
which can house large numbers of, you know, minority communities or people who, mm -hmm. who are modest means who have no other place to go. In Phoenix, right. the place, the perfect place to do this or try something different than just what we've done in the past. And I'm just hoping that you'll be able to do something like that and we can accommodate yeah. our Hispanic community much more than we have. Yeah, and Pete, I, I get your question. And you're absolutely right. The people that took the, the, the biggest hit were the poorest of the poor, the migrant Absolutely. workers, the people that pay five, ten thousand dollars for a mobile home, yep. and that's where they live with their family, sometimes yep. two families in one mobile home. They got socked. I mean, they walked out of that out of the, the area with a shirt on the back, made a little bit of money in the wallet. They didn't have insurance in a lot of cases because those mobile homes were not insurable to begin with because of right. the age of the mobile home. They're depreciated. The wiring in some of those homes made it uninsurable. So they literally right. walked out with very little and a little bit of money, you know, shirt in the back, as I always say, and a little bit of money in the wallet, and that's what they have. And they're in dire straits. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the mobile home parks outside of Phoenix, we don't have a lot of say. I mean, when it comes to unincorporated Jackson County, which has the, the majority of the mobile home parks, the people that own those mobile home parks are going to decide as to how they want to rebuild. I know they want to do mobile home parks again, but they're the ones that are going to have to decide what they're going to do with their mobile home parks, what they're going to charge. Unfortunately, you know, we only have three in Phoenix, which we have any control over, and they're all going to rebuild. How much are they going to charge? I don't know. It's going to be market rate. I'd love to see them, you know, come out with some good deals for people. But, you know, outside of Phoenix, the mayor, the okay. commission doesn't have right. a lot, lot to do with it. But you have there's land. Also, there's also, oh, sorry. Obviously, you have land in Phoenix. And this is a great chance to do something different. And I just, yeah. I just can't think of when you lose 3,300 homes in an area that you've got yes. to do, come back and do the same thing, the same thing again. Just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And here's a chance yeah. really to do something. Small homes, we've talked about tiny homes, small homes, all this kind of thing. And that would be a great start because I think it would solve a whole lot of housing problems and issues, especially yeah. as you say, with the poorest of the poor who need it more than anybody else. Correct. And... Uh, when I talk to people that, that want to rebuild, I'm talking housing, housing, housing. Right. And it may not be um, tiny homes, but we want fairly affordable housing here in Phoenix. It's not going to be you know, it's a single built, single family stick built home. It's much more expensive than a, a smaller town home. Yeah. So I'm talking real estate with people here in the city. Um, I just had a meeting not more than 30 minutes ago, just wrapped up with a gentleman who owned property in the commercial zone. And we're, I talked to him about changing the zoning laws so he can build homes in his, uh, on his property. And we're talking small homes that are much more affordable than a single build, I mean, a single family stick build home over in Medford or town or yeah. wherever it is. So well, affordable, good. yeah. That's good to so hear that you're thinking that way. And uh, yeah. smaller homes, we don't have to have, it would be the horrible thing if all of a sudden Phoenix started getting, you know, five, six hundred thousand dollar homes in it and people are, sh are shoved out. And uh, so it's good to hear that you're, uh, yeah. that you're thinking that way. I like that. And I think we yeah. can really reimagine it into a great way. I know we got a break coming up and I know your city is whacked by property taxes. I mean, you just got to be wiped out. I mean, sure. I just how in the world you're going to even deal with that is another issue. You think yeah. about all the things that are out there that you're yep. facing. Wow. A lot of them. Yeah. And you know, I, I was, 
you know, an arm's, a couple arms length away from, from the governor at a meeting recently. And I told the governor, governor, we're not going to be able to pay our bills in nine months. And I looked right in the eye and said, I'm serious. We're not going to be able to issue a paycheck to our employees in nine months or a year because of the devastating effects upon our budget that this disaster has. It's not just real estate taxes. We're going to get part of real estate taxes. There's also things like franchise fees. So every time someone pays an electric bill or a phone bill or an Avista bill or a Spectrum um, internet bill, there's a small bit that is a franchise fees that we collect and there are less bills going out, less franchise fees coming in. We had one hotel that was paying taxes, not a lot of taxes, but we had one hotel here in the city that that burned. So we're gonna lose some of that, some of that tax. Our urban, our urban renewal district is our downtown and the urban renewal district gets money from real estate taxes and that pays for the outstanding bonds that we have to pay off. The Civic Center room in, in right now, that was paid for by the Urban Renewal Association, mm -hmm. or, or Urban Renewal. With all the real estate, not all, but a lot of it gone, we're going to be um, in a pickle as far as paying for the bonds. So you're right, Pete, it's really gonna wow. affect our finances. And I told the governor, we need stopgap financing. It'll be done legislatively, it'll be some way, but we can't afford our bills. Fortunately, last week, no, this last Monday, we did get a notification that we did qualify for a city disaster assistance grant. It's $5 million. And for us, it's a lot of money. But the $5 million grant, and typically those grants over time are forgivable. So that's going to help us out. But we're putting all our financial picture together, the loss in revenue, the uptick in cost, and then we're going to clear our case to the state wow. and um, see what we can do with stopgap financing. It's a tough situation. Uh, Mayor Chris, I think about. Mayor Chris, I'm uh, I'm uh, curious when you were speaking to Governor Brown about the situation and the future of, of Phoenix. Was she sympathetic? Did she did she give you any inclination about what she might be willing to talk about? You know, she, she's been. You know, sometimes we don't all agree philosophically with a particular party, but the parties are coming together. Whether you're a Republican, Democrat, um, Governor. Uh, Walden's office, Congressman Walden's been working hand in glove with us. Same with Merkley, Wyden, the FEMA director, uh, DeFazio was down here recently, and we all met and had a big power about what we need as a region without politics involved. And the governor has been sympathetic. I do get the, you know, I've, I've talked to her a number of times, one-on-one, -on -one, and she does listen. Same with Walden, Wyden, and the rest of our national delegation. So we're all pooling resources, trying to make things happen for Phoenix, for Talon, for the rest of the region. And I've been you know, pleased at the fact that they're all coming together to try to make things happen. A little too slow for my taste, but things are, are, are happening. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yesterday. We've got a break coming up right now. Okay. So, uh, so hold that thought and do not touch sure. that dial. Mayor Chris Luz is our guest today. Pete Belcastro, Alice Lima. We'll be right back with the radio show. Well, welcome back to The Real Estate Show, folks. I'm Alice Lima here with Pete Belcastro. We're both brokers at John L. Scott Southern Oregon. And we have a fascinating uh, interview going right now with Mayor Chris Luz, the city of Phoenix. And he's just a wealth of information. We're getting to hear some real-time, just immediate news that is not generally available. And one of the questions that Pete had was right before the break. Well, I was just thinking... I you know, well, first of all, I really thank you, Chris, for, for joining us today. And, and I think our listeners and viewers have learned a lot about what's going on. And I'm really encouraged by mm -hmm. listening to what you said. So that's really a good thing. My question, though, did you ever think, I mean, 
did you ever think that you'd be facing this kind of thing when you when you were elected mayor even like two months ago did it did sure. anything ever cross your mind i mean we always talk about emergencies and planning and stuff but did it ever really hit you that this could happen um no the big thing on, on my mind regarding disasters was an earthquake because we're on a certain fault okay. here you know that's crossed my mind but the type of destruction that we faced, the fire storm that ripped through our communities, never thought about that in a million years. Typically, if we have one fire over, over a weekend in, in the Rogue Valley, it's newspapers, it's big news. If you had two houses burned down in one weekend, that's really big news. Wow, what's going on? You never see three homes being burned in, in, in one week. Never mind 2,600 residential units being burned in one day. Of course you don't envision that. And you ask yourself, what can you do differently? Um, what could you have done to prevent it? I don't think we could have done anything to prevent it. It was 35, 40 mile an hour winds. Preventing it, I don't think was possible. When you look back, the early warning system has to be reevaluated. And we, we received ahead, no, Chris, I will just tell you, this is a big issue around the county. We as residents of Phoenix received no warning we were just told all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now you're out, you're gone, you got to go. Fi sirens yep. and loudspeakers and everything else. So there was no yep. advance warning. And I've heard all sorts of stories about sure. how counties, emergency management, whatever. It's a whole different story, but yes. but that doesn't really matter. My other question for you is regarding the Bear Creek Greenway because it comes yes. right from Phoenix. I live right on it, so I, I know that. You sure do. Over the years, it became so undergrowth, was so great with blackberry briars, etc. The fuels were so hot and so great. Is there, is there a discussion, have you talked with anybody from the Greenway about what its future is going to be in terms of the undergrowth and all around the creek? Because it cannot be allowed to ever get that way again. It just fueled the fire even more intensely than it should have. Yeah, and, and Pete, that'll be part of an after, after disaster action report that has to come out. There is a joint powers agreement between all the cities along the Greenway. It's managed by Jackson County, and they take care of the maintenance, we all pay into it. So you're absolutely right, it has to be reassessed. You know, for a while, when you go down the Greenway now, everything's being cut down. All the trees are being cut right. down because they're burned, even the smaller trees are burned. So there's, there's not gonna be hardly any growth for quite a few years, but you're right. Over the long term, you gotta reassess the Greenway and reassess how you're gonna take care of the undergrowth. And also you gotta look at the, the cause of fires. There's causes of fires, people live on the Greenway they have campsites, and sometimes those those items or those uh, the, those areas that that situation causes yeah. fires also. Right. So it's the undergrowth, and it's also people living there and causing a, a man-made fire. Maybe not intentionally, but things happen when you have a fireplace going or a stove or a cigarette down on the green when you're living there. So I don't yeah. think people should be living there. It's just too darn dangerous. Well, I lived there. I lived on 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 Bear Creek, and I remember. I know you do. Back, the 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 the, the undergrowth. You look at it. I mean, yeah. you look. At it, oh, this thing could burn like a mother if it ever caught fire. And once it did, with the wind, you saw what happened. And the yeah. the greenway is part of the whole. The reason it got so strong and was so destructive and was was the growth of the greenway on, on the undergrowth. So, man, there's so many things here that and 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 and, 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 and Pete and Pete in, in your area, you have one road in one road out right yep. and it's 211 mobile homes over in bear lake estates so you know i've thought about that before we uh, you know i've, I've contacted the, the the railroad and had them do um do like a 60 foot path 
a fire break along the railroad to stop or hopefully stop flames from coming into our, our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. The same thing with Bear Lake Estates. We've contacted people that have land around it to, to cut and mow their, their, their lawns and keep the weeds down. Mm -hmm. But one road in, one road out, I think needs to be reassessed. And there's gonna be some way to put a second road in there so you can get out in case of an emergency. My biggest fear was being caught in there when the fire, when we were told to go and you saw the flames, my biggest yep. going because I was feared that it was coming straight down the greenway, it's gonna block that road and I'm gonna get stuck in there, I'm gonna die. And that's exactly, right. what, and that's yep. a fear. Same, one same end, thing one, with a flood or a fire. Yeah, absolutely. So quite a bit of that, that Greenway area and some of the mobile home parks, whether they're in Phoenix or surrounding areas, were in floodplains. Is anybody talking about perhaps not building mm -hmm. in the floodplain? Yeah. Alice, fortunately, with our mobile home parks, we're going to be able to build in the same spots that the mobile homes were before. There may have to be some allocation as far as raising the structure up by our code calls for raising it by one foot if you're in the floodplain. And there is um, floodplain and there's also uh, another part of the flood zone where you get like a river changes course and it comes through. It's not just water coming up, it's the river changing course. And if, if that happens, um, if that is projected to happen in case of a flood, then you can't build there. It's called a floodway. The floodplain, if your home is in there or you wanna build there, you gotta raise it up by one foot and if you do that, then you can rebuild. And fortunately, in our case, with our three mobile home parks, the case is that we should be able to rebuild exactly where the paths were before by raising the appropriate ones up by one foot. That's good news for us. That There's is other ones great. that are in the floodway, which are another, right. another problem altogether. And that happened after the 97 flood, where all the new, everything built after 97, all were three, foot up above, three, feet, of, three feet above. So you're absolutely yeah. right there. Look, we're almost out of time. I just want one more thing. Have people, what should, what should people do? Have most people you think who've been affected contacted FEMA, this kind of thing? Or what's, what's your advice yeah. to those who are maybe still thinking about it? I know we're out of yeah. time here. What, what do you think that is? No, Pete, I've heard that about 2,500 homes have contacted FEMA. About 2,600 were displaced. 2,500 have contacted FEMA. So I think virtually everyone that should be contacting FEMA, FEMA has contacted FEMA, which is great news. Okay. The, the, the disasterassistance.gov, if you haven't done so already, but here we have the FEMA people working at our Phoenix Civic Center. Business is slow right now, which is a good sign. That means people have already signed up. They're, they're here to sign people up. There's no one signing up anymore because I think virtually everyone has already signed up, which is great news. That is great news. Yeah, that's wonderful. Say that again, Pete. What, what, what do they sign up for when you say that? What do they sign up for? Yeah, well, they're signing up for assistance in the form of housing. So FEMA will pay for 18 months of housing for people that are displaced. Wow. And they'll help you, like my, one of my lead workers, her, her home burned down at Coleman Creek Estates. We were working today and she got a call from FEMA regarding them trying to find her a home to live in, seven people. And they'll help you find, find a home, they'll help you pay for, pay for wow. an apartment, hotel rooms, temporary housing. But eventually we do need what they call interim housing, which could be a trailer, an RV, and some spot that someone can call home for a while until there's permanent housing in place. Well, there's so much more we could talk about, but gosh, we're gonna yeah. be out of time. Alice, gosh, I've learned so much, haven't you today for having <laughs> with us? I, I feel better, Chris, having listened to you than I did when we started our show, I will say that. 
Okay, well, maybe a, it's a little bit of good news and a, a sea of bad news right now. Bad. You know? yep, well, yeah. it's just nice to know. You know, it's just nice to be brought up to date. And you're so on top of it, Mayor Chris. We appreciate you so much. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the real estate show maybe Wait, in Alice? a few weeks and get another update. Okay, I enjoyed it. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you All so right, much. Thank you. And we'll have a re, uh, rebroadcast of this show tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday, 6 o'clock. So until then, enjoy the beautiful Southern Oregon lifestyle. This is Allison Pete and Mayor Chris saying make it a great weekend. Bye, folks.